This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Oh, that's much better. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the, leader, of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell, tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled, the prophet, this fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Praise. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being part of our house today. It is an honor, honor, honor to have you. I'm talking today about the faith of a skeptic and how faith works in the middle of a problem. It's never fun to bump into a problem. And I wish in, in my walk with God that I never had to face them. I wish it just life worked and I wished it was easy and I wish things went well. You heard my mother-in-law tell a story of our family this year. I've grown up a pretty good life. We've never had 
really anything major, no major sicknesses in our family, no major problems really in our family uh, over over my lifetime anyway. And this last year has been a whirlwind of a roller coaster for our family. Uh, from Robin's diagnosis to Johnny Love's diagnosis to my father-in-law's diagnosis that you just start feeling like it's something going on. And I would love to say, God, I serve you. I'm faithful to you. Why won't you be faithful to me? I love you with my whole heart. I don't feel like you're loving me back. I feel like you're kind of hanging me out to dry a little bit here. Why would you do this to me? Where are you when I need you? Why won't you heal me? Why, won't you, why did you let this happen to my wife? Why my granddaughter? And I think those are just normal human reactions to trouble. That when trouble comes, we have questions. We want to know, why did my husband leave me? Why did my mother die so young? Why did my father molest me? Why, 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 and why? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's logical. It's humanity. It's the, I need to know because if I know, I have meaning. And if I have meaning, I have better purpose in life and I can understand what to do with my life. So as I was praying about this month, this phrase came to my mind, the faith of a skeptic. And I felt to just talk to you very honestly, much less like a sermon and much more from how I've learned to apply my faith in God when I don't feel like things are going well and when I don't feel like things are working out for me and I'm questioning what's going on. Uh, you have to grab hold of faith. I wish I could say that if you serve Jesus, everything goes rosy, but that goes against what Jesus said. Even Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 6, I believe, he said, you need to know this, that in the world you'll have trouble, but be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. Even Jesus knows right now in this world we live in, though he is king, and you heard what my mother-in-law said in the scripture she gave, God is a healer, God is king, he's Lord of all, he's not struggling on the throne, but we still can find ourselves in battles. We can find ourselves where our faith is being beaten up and the house is flooding and you won't have anywhere to live or your husband's going to die and at any given moment or your wife has been diagnosed or your grandbaby's been diagnosed or your husband has filed for divorce or and then we say well it'd be nice to be a Christian and Jesus fix all that and then again you heard what grand, my mother-in-law grand die we call her grand die what Diana said you know that there's this side that Jesus is all this and then the question is well if he is all that then why all this if he's all that, you, you tell me he's all of this, he's a healer, he's a redeemer, he's a peace giver, then why all of this down here? And there seems such a conflict of the two, of the, uh, he's not answering my prayers as I talked a few months ago on prayers of a skeptic. Maybe ponder Joseph for a minute in the story. Uh, as I was praying over this and thinking about Joseph, how he must have felt in the story that Missy read from Matthew 2. Your baby's born via a virgin, but you didn't get to sleep with her. You had to wait nine months. It's somebody else's baby. It's not even your baby. God kind of stepped into the mix and robbed your life, it feels like, and took your bride from you. And now you're the stepfather to the Son of God. You don't even know if he is the Son of God. You just hope your wife's right, and you hope it works. And now two years later, you've adjusted. Things have settled down. Mary's probably nurse, nursing's over, little baby Jesus is about two years old, he's running around playing, getting his feet under him, and then all of a sudden an angel shows up and says, get up, get out of here, leave your town, go to Egypt, somebody's trying to kill your kid, 
And as I stuck myself into that story, I thought I kind of maybe know how he felt as a father. Why all this junk keep happening to me? How come nothing ever goes my way? Why is it always my kid? Why is it always my problem? Why couldn't God have somebody else birth the Son of God? Why was it my wife? And now me serving God is causing me more trouble because now I've been serving the Lord and nothing's going my way because all I want to do is just settle into life, have a good life, raise my baby, have more kids, love my wife, run my business, and now God's messed me up again. Get up, God says, and go. Get out of your hometown. Leave Nazareth and go to Egypt. I don't want to go to Egypt. Egypt has all the memories of hell. It's where bondage came from, from Israel. I don't want to go back to a place of bondage. I don't want to go back to the terrible memories. I don't want to go back. I just want to live in Nazareth and run my little business and raise my babies and be a good man and love my wife. I don't need you messing my life up again, God. Why me? Why do people want to kill my kid? Why do people want to kill your son? I don't even understand why would anyone want to kill a two-year-old baby? I don't get this at all. And now you step into my life, you interrupt my life, and in the weirdest of weird, you don't even give me anything, but get up, get out of here, and I'll tell you, I'll come back later with more instructions. And I'm just convinced that that man in that moment had to feel probably like I felt this year. Why me? What are you doing with me, God? Why do you let this happen to me? Why my life? Why my child? Why my marriage? Why are you sending me? I feel like I'm going backwards here because that's Egypt, right? Egypt is backwards. I'm leaving, I'm leaving Nazareth. I'm headed down south to Egypt. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt like, I feel like I'm just going downhill here. I feel like I'm making no progress toward God. I feel like I'm getting further away from the presence of God, further away from Jerusalem, further away from the prophets, further away from everything that Scripture's ever prophesied about Jerusalem and David sitting and a king coming. And now you send me, God, right back. And sometimes I will say that the faith journey feels like you're going downhill. Sometimes faith feels like you're going backwards and not forwards. Sometimes faith feels like God is sending you down a road you didn't want to go down. And sometimes your faith battle is not what you bargained for. It's not what you signed up for. It's not what you wanted. God, you ought to be proud of me. I at least let my wife have this kid. So you should be proud of me that I didn't divorce her. And now you're going to mess me up again. And now you're going to make me go on this journey that I don't even go on. You're going to make me... Watch, this is how weird that is. No instructions, but get up. Ladies, how would you feel if your husband came home tonight and said, get up, pack your stuff. I got a U-Haul. We're leaving. Well, where are we going? Well, I'll tell you where we're going. We're going to Seattle. We're going to go all the way to Seattle, that God-forsaken town where they lock everything down. They won't let you get out and run your business. They've destroyed everything. It's where everybody's looting. We're going to go back to that. We're going to go to California where everything's going backwards. I don't want to pack up tonight. I need to tell my mother goodbye. I need to tell my friends goodbye. What about a house? How are we going to do? What are you going to do for a job, Mark? What are we going to do? Where will we live? I need to tell my mother goodbye. She lives here. I can't just leave. And yet when God shows up, get up, get out, and I'll come back and tell you what to do later. Seemingly no, no time to tell anybody goodbye. No time to get a plan. No time to figure out where to live. And in reality, I just feel like sometimes in this faith journey, God's just messing us up. Like, just leave me alone, God. Let me have a good life. Let me just love my family. Let me just go to Disney World and, and get, a, get a good retirement account and be a good person. Don't ask much of me, God. 
And as a matter of fact, when you do ask and I say yes, I'd appreciate a little reprieve and maybe you help me out a little bit. Because I said yes once and now you're messing me up again. When does it end? I don't know if you've ever said that. When does it end? Is this just a constant thing, serving God? And so I've been there. I kind of know how Joseph feels. I've been in those moments this year. I've been in those moments of trying to reconcile my faith with my reality and my faith with what's going on around me and my faith when I feel like I'm going backwards and not forward and my faith when I definitely didn't have a plan and God just said, get up. I got something I'm going to be doing. I'm like, I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to hear this news. I don't want this. But then God gives us a word called faith. Faith, David. Faith, Rob. It's faith, Shiloh. It's the common denominator for all of us. Because God knew that we would have different kind of troubles, but we all needed the same answer. Like it's a marriage trouble, a money trouble, an emotional trouble, a kid trouble, a body trouble, physical, whatever. But there's just a common denominator. And God said, well, the common denominator is faith. And then if we're true to it, you know, it's like, well, man, I don't feel like it works because I have just as much bad as good and I don't understand what God's doing. So what I'd like to do this morning over the next few moments is I want to just take you through what I've learned in my personal life. So it's not really a sermon as much as just some things you can practically do when you're in a battle. All right? And I would love to tell you, if, you know, I'm trying to be honest here, I'd love to tell you you're never going to have to battle if you love Jesus. But I would be missed by telling you that because I've never met a Christian yet that hasn't had to battle. Never. We've all had to battle. And typically I find that some of those battles you didn't bargain for, sign up for, and you probably wouldn't wish on your worst enemies. I'm going to go this way and pick on Rob and Barb for a minute. It was several years ago, Rob gets a diagnosis of throat cancer. Wasn't what you wanted to hear. Wasn't what they signed up for. I go to church all the time. I serve the Lord. I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I'm a prayer. I'm an intercessor. I pray in the spirit. I, 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 I. I'm sure. I'm just throwing this out because I was kind of part of that time with them. Where's God? Why? What, what about us? I thought you were. You told me. Why not? How come? If so, then why? Rob's own testimony is in the middle of the hell he was going through, he found himself outside of his house. And he thought the only way out, oh Jesus, is just to kill myself. I don't know if you've ever been in that much despair where the only way out is just to kill yourself. And thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because a Holy Ghost showed up in that backyard that day and Rob Payne is still alive rejoicing today. And so there are times when we, we are in despair and there are times we're fighting battles we don't want to fight. And so I just kind of want to help you through that. Here's the scripture we've landed on, Hebrews 11.1. 1. For faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In other words, there will be times where God may step into your life and go, get up, get going. I'm not even going to give you a lot of instruction. I just got something I'm doing, and what I am doing is I'm protecting you. This is for your own good. And then there are times where the devil comes in, and it's not for your own good. It's for your destruction. 
is to rob you and kill you and despair and give you hopelessness. But I do know that there is a... In God's kingdom, it's weird, but in God's kingdom, this scripture tells me that there will be opportunities for you to lose hope and there will be opportunities for you to get sidetracked by what you can't see. And it it just doesn't make logical sense. Now the thought I'm going to share with you is going to sting a bit, but I'll try to walk you through it. Here's the thought. If you believe in God but never put that belief in action, you're no better than the devil. Faith was given to you so you could do something. And if you don't do something with your faith, and all you do is just believe, I believe in my head, I believe I believe in giving, but I don't really give. I believe you should read the Bible, but I don't really read it. I believe you should forgive, but I, don't, I struggle to do that. I believe, I believe, I believe. But if you believe, but you don't put that into action, in, into things that move your life forward, and you just get stuck in, I just believe... And you don't really do anything about that believing you're no better than the devil. And that just stings a bit. Because I found when we're in a battle, we just want God to do everything and I don't want to do a thing. All I want to do is pray. I don't want to do anything. I want to lay here and sulk and go, why didn't he do this for me? And why did he let this happen to me? Poor pitiful me. That is not faith. And it does hurt. It hurts when there's an expectation placed on you, Nessa. If you tell me you believe in me, Nessa, God would say, then I need to see some action to those toes there. You can't just sit around and whine all the time. You can't just sit around and pout. You've got to put some action to it. Here's a scripture to back that up. James chapter 2, 18 and 19. But someone will say you have faith. I have deeds Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Blue words. (laughs) They sting. Even the devils believe that. Oh, it's just enough for me to believe in God. Not if you don't put action to it. Your belief is dead. It's useless. There's a lot of Christians alive today that believe in God mentally, but they're not doing anything with their faith. It's not impacting their life at all. There's no fruit to that walk. And when there's not, even the demons believe that. In other words, you're on the same level as demonic powers when you believe, but you don't put any action to that faith. So that there came a time in our life with Robin and I this year when it all hell kind of feels like it's caving in on us where we have to say, well, we just got to get up. We can't just sit here and pout and, and try to go, why me, why us, what, when, why, where's God? We got to get up. We got to do something. We got to shake ourselves here. And then it says this, and the demons even shudder, and that's just what I've learned in this scripture, that it's not always emotions that are faith. And sometimes we think emotions are faith. Oh, I fell out in the floor. I rolled around like a tadpole. They touched me. I went out. But when you got up, nothing changed. Nothing changed. I spoke in tongues. I felt something come up on the back of my mind. Yeah, that's called a feeling. You have to have more than a feeling. There's sometimes you're not even going to want to pray and move and go and get up. You're going to have to do it anyway because emotions are not connected to faith. You You can have zero emotional feeling and be walking in faith anyway. I don't even have an answer, but I'm going to go that way. Here's the next scripture. This one kind of stings a mite a little. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. 
unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Meaning that you can sit there all day and go, I believe in the Bible, I believe in God, I do believe prayer works. I do believe you can give, I do believe your mouth directs the course of your life. But if you don't put action to that belief, it's useless. And you may be asking, why am I in this perpetual problem for all these years when I've been believing? And I might would answer, perhaps it's because you've believed, but you've never acted it out. And therefore your believing has been useless. And we'll even quote, all things are possible to him who believes, but believing without actions is useless. And that stings. Because Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. But James said you must put action to your faith. So Jesus is probably more powerful than James until you realize the Holy Spirit wrote the word. And he's tying it together for us. So let's look at this. I want to give you a thought that take you on something. In your believing and walking things out, you have two options, to do nothing or to do something. Now we've understood if you do nothing, your faith is useless. But if you do something, you could see great results. But if you've ever noticed, when you're in a funk, we don't want to do anything. Bring me some donuts and coffee. Don't ask much from me. I'm in a battle. And in a battle, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit here and pout. But I'm required by God to do something. But how many of you know when all hell's breaking loose, you just don't want to do something? I don't feel like doing something. I just don't have the passion to do something. I'm in a battle right now. I'm in a fight right now. So I'm going to talk about the nothing and the something today. One thing about nothing and several somethings that you can do that I've applied that I hope helps you that kind of blanket cover us all. It's like, okay, here's how to get this thing started in living by faith. Here's the nothing. If you want nothing, do what you always do. When you hit a problem, just do what you always do. Pout, whine, complain, poor pitiful me, tip back a JD here and there, smoke a doobie, watch some porn, play video games, binge on Netflix, blame it on my boss, blame it on my wife, blame it on my husband, blame it on Trump, blame it on Biden, blame it on Kamala, blame it on the Democrats, blame it on the Republicans, blame it on Giuliani, blame it on New York, blame it on Seattle, blame it on California, blame it on China, blame it on Iraq, blame it on Jerusalem, blame it on the devil, because that's just what we do. When problems come, somebody's fault. I'm going to cuss somebody out. Somebody's going to pay the price here. And what I've learned when I go through a battle is that the the human nature is to revert back to old habits. I'm not opposed to alcohol. So, I I mean, I've, I've had a wife get killed by it. I've had a brother get run over by it, but I don't believe it's necessarily evil, ungodly, if somebody wants to have a glass of wine. But I'm smart enough to know that if Mark is not careful, I'll go grab a bottle of wine and drink my sorrows away because my grandfather was an alcoholic. And so I have to be smart. If I'm tense, I don't just need to run up and go get me a shot of Jack Daniels to soothe my woes away. I've got to learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost when I'm not feeling up to par. I've got to learn rather than just running to my convenience and binging on Netflix, maybe I need to go another way here. 
because I just I have to learn if I don't learn to shift from what I always do, I might end up doing the same thing, saying I'm believing, but nothing's changing. So just be honest with yourself. We all have habits. We all have human things. We all have our logical ways we fight battles. Just be honest with yourself. Uh, my girls would admit, I, I don't cuss. I, I don't think I've rarely cussed my whole life. I don't slam doors. I don't kick the dog. I don't, I mean, I'm just, I'm like a Labrador retriever. Like, I'm just, I love everybody. I won't lick you and stuff like that. But I'm just a nice person. I'm a powder. I'm a professional pouter. Things don't go my way, I pout. Robin and I fight, I pout. Meaning, I'll just ignore her. I won't cuss her out, I'll just ignore her. And I won't ignore her long, maybe a week, week and a half. <laughs> Look at her laughing. She's over there going, that's true. <laughs> I, I do pout. I try not to go a week though, okay? I try to, I try to unpout myself with about three hours. I try to be unpouty. But pouting is my, my go-to. It's, 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 my, it's my safety net. Now, I don't know what yours is, but I do know when things get tough, we do run to those places. And if we want to be victorious, as my mother-in-law said in her testimony, I've got to stop that. And I've got to shake myself off. So let's go to the scripture on how, what we can do. All right? Let's skip over that one. I think I've, I've kind of covered that already. Something we can do. Now, I'm going to give you several things based out of the Matthew scripture that have worked for me and Robin and, and pass it down to you. So here's, here's the first one, verse. And this is where all of them are going to come from. So Matthew 2.13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for a child to kill him. Just look at this for a minute and I want to tell you there's nothing about that phrase that feels faith-filled. Get up. Okay, you're not going to give me some time to think this through. <laughs> Flee to Egypt. I don't want to go there. Um, oh, matter of fact, go with the child and the mother. Well, you're messing all of our life up. Oh, and stay there until I tell you to return. And the thing I found out about that stay there until I tell you when I return is the weirdest, this is the weirdest thing of faith that I've ever come across. Faith never tells you the time frame. Amen. I don't know why God did it that way. May, uh, Eve. Hey, Eve, your seed going to crush his head. Enjoy that word. <laughs> know how long? Oh, if he tells me how long, it's going to defeat me. Your seed's going to crush his head in 4,000 years. Enjoy it. Also, I'm not even going to live that long, am I? So you're literally talking about things I'm never even going to see. Yes, but you wouldn't get it anyway and it would so discourage you. The thing that I'm talking about you'll never even see. But what I really need you to do is get back in the tent with Adam and have another kid because if you don't do what I need you to do, you're never going to see what I just told you would see, but you're not going to see it anyway because it's so far in your future you couldn't even figure it out anyway. That's why I didn't tell you it's going to be 4,000 years. So what I need you to do is listen to me, go back in the tent, have a kid, name him Seth, I'll do the rest. And we get so messed up. I just want God to tell me how long. Right. Hey, Abraham, you and Sarah, you're going to have a kid. Enjoy that word. Oh, no, 
it's why, why don't you tell me how long 25 years? Why do you dangle this carrot in front of me like I'm going to get pregnant next week? You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. God's got a little carrot. Baby's coming. Baby. See, baby. See, little baby. Follow the carrot. Baby, baby. 25 years. My thinking as a logical human is, don't tell me I'm going to have a baby until I'm going to have the baby. Give me a nine-month window here, not a 25 years. And Jesus, Quinn, be back real soon. Been a blooming 2,000 years. Because if he would have said, I'm coming back 2,000 years, we'd be lazy. What you doing today? Oh, nothing ain't coming anyway. You going to temple to pray? No, man, he ain't even coming back. He won't. Well, you going to do anything for him? Hey, it ain't going to matter anyway. He won't be here. It won't matter. Because if he tells you how long it's going to be, you're going to blow it. If he tells you I'm going to give you a miracle next week, you'll hurry it on. Well, next week, how can I get it by Tuesday? And then if he tells you he's going to do something in 10 years, you'll get discouraged and give up. I don't want to wait 10 years. So what I've learned about faith, God in his weird ways of non-humanity never tells us the time frame. Why? Because he just wants you to trust he's in charge. I remember when our doctor told Robin, because my wife is a brilliant way of being a calendar planner. I could use you to pray for her because she still won't use Google. She still handwrites everything. And I'm like, honey, this is 2020. You got to get out of handwriting. And she's writing everything. She's calendaring it down. By this time, this will happen. By this time, by October, I'll have my surgery. By this time, I'll be free. I'll never forget the conversation when the doctor looked at my wife and said in the most kind way, Honey, it's probably going to be a year till you're back to normal. Well, who wants to hear a year before you're back to normal? I didn't want to hear that. She didn't want to hear that. But the doctor's just telling us some reality here. You're just going to have to suck it up if you want to get to normal. And you need to put your calendar, she even told that, just put your calendar away, honey. It's probably going to be a year. I could just see my wife, just, I want my calendar, I want everything to work. And that's normal. We humans want that. I want to know. So what I would like to give you is, how do you have faith? What do you do during that time when you don't know how long it's going to be? All right, let's run through them. Here's the first one. Get up. Everybody just shout, get up. The first thing you got to do is just get up. When you you feel like somebody's punched you in the chest, Cade, and you don't know why me, you you don't have time, folks. This is not kindergarten. This is a war. And we're, we're soldiers in the army of God. This is not a day spa. This is not, hey, sign up for this class if you want it. This is all-out foxhole warfare. And it's unfair because we're fighting an enemy who fights unfair. So this mentality that Christianity is just this cruise liner. Like, just get on it and just, you're on a cruise. Just sipping back a little margarita, loving Jesus, waiting on him to return, reading your Bible. It's not a cruise liner. It is a hellacious warfare. And wimpy people don't fare well. 
And there are times where I would say that Robin and I felt like my faith has been on a cruise. Man, everything is working. And then there are several times I feel like it's the Titanic. And she's going, Jack, Jack. And I'm slipping off going, Rose, Rose. And Robin's just letting me die. I felt that way before. I felt like I'm doing really well. And then all of a sudden, I, sli- I sideswipe an iceberg and everything I believed is challenged. Everything about healing is challenged. Everything about giving is challenged. Everything about my prayers are challenged. Everything about my faith is challenged. Man, I'm tossing stuff overboard. God, why this? Lord, why'd you do that? Somebody in the background. <laughs> Get up! Watch how God told this to Joseph. It wasn't like, Joseph, get up, wake up. Joseph, get up. Okay, hey, listen. I I need you to pray about something. I need you to take about a month and pray about you and marrying the baby. Maybe if you feel good about it, leave Nazareth and go toward Egypt. Now, I know I need you to go ahead and call, find a good place, get some reservations in, prepare, go call your family, have a going away party. Uh, maybe y'all could do a GoFundMe to get some money. And, uh, but you pray about it and then get back with me and let me know how y'all feel. What? But that's how we are as Christians. Like we think God's coming down here to ask our opinion. God, get up! What? Get out of here! Not not when, how, why, money, job, family, people. What are you talking about? And now I got to get a wife with a two-year-old to go. No warning, no U-Haul. Pack your stuff, get out of town. Why? Because they're going to kill you. Why me? Why do they always want my baby? <laughs> I can eat somebody else's baby. I didn't want to ask this baby anyway. She's too... Uh, God, and I'm, I'm right in the middle of a job. I'm doing some carpeting cabinets for some people. And if I have to leave and I can't even finish the cabinets for them, I'm just not a man of my word. I want to be a man of my word. Oh, God. Right? That's how we do it. Yeah. I don't want to really obey God. I want God to obey me. I want God to bless me, fix me, help me, do all this work. Don't ever ask me to get up and not give me instructions. But there are times when trouble hits us and God is like, get up, shake yourself, dust yourself off, quit whining. We all have trouble. We all have to deal with sickness. We all have to deal with things we don't like. We all have to deal with trouble in the world. Dust yourself off. Throw your shoulders back. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. And a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come against me. For I will dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. My God, I'm dusting things off. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. And under his wings will I put my trust. A thousand will fall at his side, ten thousand at his right hand. But it will not come near me. Only with my eyes will I behold and see the reward of the wicked. And I'll never fear because I've set my eyes on God. And if I set my 
my love and my eyes on him, he will reward me. He will honor me. And with long life will he satisfy me. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. I will be anxious for nothing, but I will set my mind upon the Lord. For whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is thankful, I will dwell on that. And I will be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in supplications, in prayer, with thanksgiving, I will make myself and my requests known to the Lord. For if I cast my cares over upon the Lord, he cares for me. That's what I mean by get up. <laughs> I mean I mean not sitting there looking at Netflix. I just don't know why it doesn't work but I watch The Office makes me feel better. Oh. Oh, especially when Jim proposes to Pam. Oh. That's not what I mean by get up. There are times where you have to just dust yourself off and throw your shoulders back. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is your king. He's, he will honor you. He is ever faithful. And so hold your shoulders back. Be the woman of the Lord God's called you to be. I say this to my girls. They say, I, you know, I, I, think, I always feel like I say it nicer than they tell me back. But I don't really, I'm not that harsh with my kids. Like, get up! But I did tell them this in this battle. I said, girls, cry all you need to cry. Crying's good for you. Get all your tears out. But there has to come a point where the tears have to stop and you got a war. Amen. Amen. Robin, lay in the tub as long as you need. Cry it out. I'll cry it with you. But there has to come a time where you got to get out of the tub and you got to put feet to your faith. Amen. we got to walk it out. Right. got to fight it out. Right. So I'm okay with crying. But I'll just tell you, there's going to be a time where the Holy Spirit's going to show up and go, all right, dry your tears. Get up. Let's go. You're going to have to do that. Here's a scripture to help you. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes of any kind, consider it an opportunity of great joy. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be blooming kidding me. James had something going on. He wasn't talking to God on this one. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. And here's what I found. The reason most people can't Consider it joy when trouble comes. is the wrong things growing. The problem's growing rather than faith. I'll tell you how that works. I'll just use me and Robin, for example. You have uh, a diagnosis of breast cancer, Robin. Okay. Whew, let me count that joy. Whew, praise God. I got breast cancer. I'm just happy. <laughs> I counted all joy, he said. Let my faith grow. Endurance. Oh, Jesus. Oh. And then Google. Google. And what starts growing? How many people have died of it? All the problems you're going to have from it? I can't believe this happened to me. And before you know it, the problem is growing and not faith. And you can't endure problems. Nobody can endure them long term. But when it's talking about troubles and considering it joy and growth, it's talking about your faith, not your problem. Consider it joy that you have faith when you have a problem. Consider it joy that that faith will grow in the middle of the problem. The faith will be bigger than the problem if you'll let it grow. If you will endure, I love the end. If you'll endure, if you'll let faith keep growing, if you won't pout, if you won't give up, if you won't die in a foxhole here, but you'll keep pressing forward, I'll tell you how it'll end for you, Mark. Perfect. Complete. Needing nothing. Come on, Jesus. 
and needing nothing? When the doctor sends me, Robin said this to me. She said, here's what I need you to do, honey. I said, what? She said, you got to handle all the insurance and bills. I can't do that emotionally. you got to do it. And I'm like... Uh, she already knows I struggle with money. Oh, God. That's why my brother and father are an accountant. I'm not an accountant. Oh, I don't even know what I am. And so, so then the, the hospital sends me the bill. Or not the bill, but the assessment of the bill. So for Robin's surgery... Simple, $276,000. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I got to take communion. Oh. oh, Jesus. Oh, no, this isn't real. Bring me the real wine, Robin. Oh, I need the real stuff. Matter of fact, bring me the whiskey. I got to do real communion, right? <laughs> I make $65K a year, and the doctor tells me that surgery is $276,000. I'm like, Robin, we're not cutting your breast off. Nah. We're just going to have to believe for something else. Hey, I could go back and become a doctor and do it myself for that. She's over there. We got to do something. There's nothing we can do. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, God. And she'll tell you, I'm just like, every day, I'm on the phone for hours. Oh, insurance, hospital, hospital, insurance, computer, 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 computer. Oh, hint, if you'll press zero, 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 you'll get a human. Yes. But the end result of $276, God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how this is going to work. And through conversations and lots of prayer and elders praying and me praying and trying to keep it from Robin so she's not discouraged, they came back and said it will be $50,000 in insurance covered the whole thing. Boom. Come on, Jesus. But $276,000 is growing, 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 growing. Never going to make it, never going to do it. Faith is getting weaker, weaker, weaker. You have to flip the script. You got to flip it. No, I'll leave nothing. I'll like nothing. I'll like nothing. I'm not going to Google it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the Word on it. Second thing, let's look at number two. You got to get wisdom. The, the worst thing to do in a problem is to get the wrong wisdom. You've got to get wisdom. And, and I've applied this in my life. Every time, sometimes it takes longer than others, but every time I bump into a problem that I don't like, trouble, a sickness, a, a bad report, bad news, I've trained myself, it's not easy, <laughs> but I've trained myself to go to God and ask for wisdom. Like God, uh, Robin, she got the diagnosis, okay? So God, what do we do? you got to tell us what to do. Lord, we've never been down this road before. I, I, never, even, I never even perceived this. I never even thought this would be our lot in life. I, Jesus, you got to give me wisdom. What did he tell Joseph? Get up, dust yourself off, flee to Egypt. God will always tell you what to do. So as we're praying and Robin said, I believe I'm going to do chemo. And I'm like, okay, well, what do we, we've never done chemo before. And then, gosh, Mickey, the problem of chemo grows because it's page after page after page of side effects and problems and trial tests and test subjects and placebos and what could happen. And your nails fall off, your hair falls out, everything. You could die. You could, and it's just bombarding you. And the, the problem's growing and the faith is getting weaker and weaker and weaker weaker and we go to God God give us wisdom and this was the wisdom this is weird the wisdom will be different for every person 
Your problem is different, but the wisdom is always the same. He will come and tell you what to do. And the Lord, through Umar, one of our elders here, Umar came to me and said, I was praying for you. And I'm like, thank you, I needed prayer. He said, I was praying for you. The Lord told me, you and Robin need to take communion before every chemo. Do not take chemo without taking communion. Yes, sir. I take that as the word of the Lord. And so Robin and I have been taking communion. And last time, the whole church, 300 plus people, took communion for my sweet bride. And when you took communion for her round two, her own testimony is I had zero side effects. I had nothing go wrong in round two. I don't know if I chalk that up to my great faith because I don't know if I have great faith. But what I do chalk it up to is God gave me wisdom and I just listened to his wisdom. I don't know how some little plastic cup created by some factory I don't even know that literally tastes like I'm chewing cardboard could work. But it works. Because it's wisdom. It was the wisdom. God will give you wisdom for your marriage. Lord, my marriage is falling apart. Tell me what to do. God, you'll tell me what to do. I'll do it. And sometimes what he tells you to do may feel like the most illogical backwards go to Egypt. Oh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. Communion? What do you mean take communion? That's just so dumb. That's not going to work. I take it every week anyway. You see, sometimes the wisdom is kind of antithetical to what you think anyway. You want some booming thing to happen. And God's like, well, if you want your marriage fixed, go to counseling. Oh, God, he'll never go. He'll never do it. I'll get wisdom. Listen to this verse in James chapter 2. If you, or one, if you need wisdom, ask our mean, terrible, hateful God who's trying to teach you a lesson, and he'll give it to you. It says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He'll give you the wisdom. Are you struggling in life? Or you feel like you, you got your back up against a wall? Just ask him for wisdom. God, what do you want me to do? Tell me and I'll do it. Show me what to do and I'll do it. And sometimes it may not feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Third thing after get wisdom is this. Get warriors. The passage of scripture we read said, get up, here's the wisdom, flee to Egypt. Oh, but by the way, you're not going alone. I need you to take mom and baby and y'all go together. And I found in my own personal walk that there are times where I'm not strong enough to go alone and I need help. But what I don't need is pity. And you don't need a friend, you need a warrior. Because friends will go hang out at the club, pop a, pop a cold one back with you, encourage you, binge on Netflix with you, tell you it's all going to be okay. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about warriors that will holler at you, speak truth to you, and you sitting there crying over it. They're going to say, get up. And quit whining and get yourself, mighty man of God, out of that hole and let's get going. We've got a job. This is a war and you've been trained for war. Let's go. That's what I mean by get warriors. And so often in the middle of a fight, we want to get friends, people that will just pat me on the back. I want to set a new Facebook club up so everybody that's going through my problem can go through it together. I don't need that. I need people that will just speak truth to me even if I have to cry it out. I need people that will grab me on the shoulder 
and dragged me out. I never went to the Marine Corps. I wanted to. Dad taught me out of it. I went to college, got smart instead. And, uh, but I always loved it. And Robin can tell you, I cry. Every time I watch soldier movies, I cry for this one, and even touches me right now, for this one thing. We will never, ever leave a man behind. Ever. I will die on this hill with you before I, let, before I leave you behind. And something about the church has lost that. I will never leave you behind. You call me at 3 in the morning, I'll pray with you. I will never leave you dying on a hill. And something about the devil has taken the church and we basically kill our own, you know, leave you hanging out to dry. I don't know what happened to him. I haven't seen him in a week. Go get him. Pick him up. Get going. Get a warrior spirit about you. We've got a battle out here. Well, the laws they're passing against the church. You think the church will be able to meet in 2021? Yes! Right here on this corner. You mean if the government tells you to shut down, you're not shutting down? No! I'm the church of the living God. I'm not closing my doors. I'm going to be a place of hope, a refuge of hope. Well, what if they find you? Well, then God will make up the money. What if they send you to jail? Come visit me, please. (laughs) Don't forget about me. I don't mean that rude, like I don't care about government. I drive the speed limit, I'll obey. But when I feel like, come on, you're just asking me to quit being the people of God. We've got to be the people of God even when trouble hits. Here's a warrior spirit. This ought to inspire you. Matthew 18, if any two of you agree on earth here concerning anything you ask, my Father will do it. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am and my followers and I'm among them. Oh, man, in the middle of a battle, find you somebody that'll agree with you. Find you somebody that won't let you pout. Find you somebody that'll come drag you out of bed when you want to lay in bed. Grab you somebody that'll come over to your house and sit up with you till 3 in the morning, not binging any TV, but presence of God in the room, man. We're just going to worship yourself through this thing, and we're going to get through this thing together. we got to have that kind of church. And when we say community here, I hope that's what we mean. We mean we're going to fight it out together. We're not just going to play church together. The next one is this. Get grounded. And and I mean it this way. Uh, Gosh, man, the worst thing to do is to try to fight a battle of faith and have zero faith. My mom said it this way. She said the worst time to get faith is in the middle of the battle. you got to get grounded before the battle ever starts. Psalm 1, listen to this. This is profound. I, I get convicted reading it. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Isn't that you ever find when you're in a problem, you go to the advice of the wicked. It's called Google. It's called Wikipedia. It's, it's not anybody that's serving the Lord. It's just a bunch of knowledge. And stand in the way around with sinners. In other words, be careful that in the middle of your battle, you're hanging out with people that are faith-filled. Because the devil will always get you in the middle of people who don't have faith. And don't join with mockers. Those are the people that come. I don't know why it happened to you. You're such a good person. I don't know if anybody went through this, why it would be you. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why God would let this happen. And I don't know. Those kind of people that just keep putting doubt in your head, you need to be careful with those people. I don't need to stand around with mockers in the middle of a battle. I don't need people just giving me flowers. They smell great, but they die. I need you to give me something that's long term. And he says this. Now, here's how you ground yourself. It's not romantic, but it's truth. 
You ground yourself by delighting in the law of the Lord. Oh, get ready. And meditating on it day and night. Imagine that. Not do a devotional. Not read it once a week. Not dust it off on Easter. Not I can't understand it. I just don't know. I mean, I know I should read my Bible, but I do sometimes. I just don't do it every day with zero excuse. Well, if you want to be grounded, you got to meditate on it all day and night. Somebody asked this to me a few weeks ago. They said, I noticed that you stand up and you don't even use notes. How do you do that? And I said, I really just haven't honestly got a clue. I don't. I'll just tell you how it comes, and I'll give it to you like I get it. On Monday, I drive here to work. And on I-20, I'm like, God. Next Sunday, I got to stand up. I ain't got a thing to say. You got to give me something to say, God. Please tell me something to say to that group of people that are going to show up. And somewhere during Monday or Tuesday, a thought will come. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday at 3 in the morning when I wake up worried about Sunday, Friday, all the time I'm just thinking, 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 meditate, meditate, meditate. I'm having conversations, connecting it. I'm having thoughts. I'm having phone calls. I'm connecting it to the thought, 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 meditating day and night, day and night, waking up at 3 in the morning and having the thought and thinking about it again. And then when I come here, it's just like, ah! All you're getting is Tuesday through Saturday of me just thinking about it over and over and over and then I just get to vomit it all out. But that's the beauty of meditation. And watch what happens when you're a meditator. You prosper in everything. In everything. Your kids prosper. Your health prospers. Your life prospers. Your marriage prospers. So if you want to be grounded, you're going to have to be a meditator in the Word of God. Not just read it on occasions. And the final one is this. Get back better. What I mean by that is, and it's a hard thought, is that in every trouble you're going through, there is a better on the other side. Never feels like it. I wonder when the better's coming. I don't know when it's coming, but... But here's what Romans 8 says. You know it if you're a Christian and you've been around a while. Romans chapter 8, at the very bottom, God will cause everything to work to your good. Now, I know in the middle of a battle Robin and I are going through, it doesn't feel too good right now. I know in the news that I got about my grandbaby, doesn't feel too good right now. But I know that if we hold fast to the faith and we don't pout and we get busy and we get some warriors together and we get grounded and we get wisdom, I know better's coming. I just don't need to throw in the towel before better gets here. I need to just believe. How can anything good come out of this, Mark? I don't know. I'm a human. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but if I know if I trust him, it will. Good will come out. I want you to do me a favor, if you will. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to do something I did in first service uh, that I pray blesses you. Um, I got a guitar when I was 16, and every, every time things went bad in my life, hang on, I got to get something Every time things would go bad, I, I would get my guitar out at age 15 and 16 and play for hours. I was no good. I couldn't really sing, but it sure did bring me peace. It was, I read a scripture where it said David played, and when he played, demons would leave Saul. And I remember thinking at age 16, could it be possible that music could do that? And so my whole life, you know, I would just... My happy place, my peaceful place was, um, was guitar. And uh, when all this went on, I was sitting on the couch one day very frustrated, just uh, 
Robin, my grandbaby, why us? What's going on? I need wisdom. God, you got to help me. you got to tell me what to do and, uh, and show me what to do. And uh, maybe I can find some hope. And so I grabbed my guitar, and nobody was at the house. And I just started playing and started singing. And so on the way here today, I normally wouldn't tell this to anybody, but I was coming in. And as I was coming in, I felt the Lord say, I want you to sing that song because I want to bring some hope to people. And so now you can close your eyes and I will do my best. It was a cold, dark winter in Bethlehem one night when the angel split the sky. It was such a wonderful sight. He said, peace. Wonderful peace. He said, peace. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. He said, you will find the baby wrapped up in swaddled clothes. He's the Son of God, and I want the world to know He'll bring you peace. Wonderful peace. Well, the baby became a boy, and the boy became a man, and they hung him on a cross, but it was God's plan to bring me peace. Wonderful peace. Well, the believers took his body and they tossed him in a grave. But three days later, this is what he had to say I want your peace. I want your glorious peace. Now I have peace. In the morning, I have peace in the night. I have peace when things are good. I have peace when things ain't right. I've got peace. Wonderful peace. I've got peace when I'm happy. I've got peace when I'm sad. I've got peace when the news is good. I got peace when the news is bad. I've got peace. I've got wonderful peace. Lord, I've got peace. I've got wonderful peace. Lord, I've got peace when I'm confused. And life don't seem real fair. I've got peace when I pray. And I give you all my cares. I've got peace. I've got wonderful peace. I've got peace. I've got wonderful peace. It seems the world is dark and I surely cannot see. I close my eyes real tight. I 
know you're here with me because I've got peace. I've got wonderful peace, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, I've got peace, yeah, yeah, I've got wonderful peace. I've got peace when my wife and I don't know what we will do. I got peace anyway, because I know you'll bring me through. I've got peace. I've got wonderful peace As a shepherd of this house If you don't know what you're to do Just put your faith in Jesus And he will bring you through And you'll have peace You'll have wonderful peace Lord, you have So, so sometimes, um, maybe that's what you got to do. You just got to sing. You got to get up. You got to get busy. And for me, that's just what I had to do. I didn't have any peace. I didn't want peace. I couldn't figure out peace. And I just decided I'm going to play this guitar until I feel peace come into my room. And it was about an hour and a half later when God just began to fill the room. I want to bless you this morning. Bow your head. I don't know what wisdom you need today. I don't know what trouble you're going through today. I don't know what battle you're in today, what fight you're fighting today. But I'll simply tell you as a, as a pastor over this house, get up, get busy, get wisdom, quit pouting, quit whining. It's going to be all right. Get you some warriors to fight it out with you. Check yourself. Get grounded. Get the word out every day. Stay in the word. Meditate on it day and night. And I tell you, if you'll hang in there, better will come back. It may not feel like it right now, but better will come back. You can find peace in the middle of the journey. So right now we're about to take communion. There is supernatural things when we take communion. You've heard my testimony about uh, we did last week for Johnny Love, our grandbaby. We took communion. She'd been in the hospital several weeks. We took communion that Sunday, that next Monday morning. Less than 12 hours later, they released her from the hospital. She's been home now. She's gaining weight now. Supernatural things when we release our faith together, when we pray together. Husbands and wives, I don't know what you're going through, but when you come up and take communion today, take it in faith. Let this be your first action step. Let this be the first step you take to see God break through. Let this be the first thing you do to see the Lord bring you life today and to bring you hope today. Dust yourself off. We all go through battles, but walk out of here with your shoulders held high that the Son of the living God has died for you. The Son of the living God has brought you peace. The Son of the living God is your hope. He's your answer. He's your life. He's your healing. He's everything you would ever need. But the battle that belongs to the Lord still requires you to put faith and your feet and your works together. Let's believe it. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless this communion today. I bless our giving today. I bless the word that we've heard read over us. I bless the preaching of the word that it will find good ground. And today, God, our action step is that we're putting our faith with our feet today at this communion table. 
for Robin's health this week as we go round three for chemo. God, that we take this communion in her stead for her health, for Johnny Love's health. God, for the health of every person here, that this is the wisdom of the Lord. The wisdom of the Lord is in this body and in this bread broken for us at Calvary. There is hope, there is healing, there is peace, there is salvation. And I ask you to do it for us today. In the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me if you will and pray this prayer after me? And at the end of the prayer, you may come for giving and communion. Pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, today I choose to not only believe, but to act out my faith. And I say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. He's the Savior of my soul. And the Holy Spirit is working for me now in everything in my life. Because of that faith, it's going to work out to my good because of his purposes over my life. Lord, today, may this communion be counted as my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.